0: Hello and welcome to episode 148 of the Waters Wavelength Podcast. I am Anthony Malakian and normally I am joined by James Rundle. I usually say always, but normally. Uh, But he is out in London right now. He is getting away to be with family for an early Christmas uh, break and also to work from the office out there. So, we decided what better time to have our wonderful Asia editor Wei Shen Wong on the back on the podcast i think for the third or the fourth time wei shen thanks for joining hi glad it, to be back it's 11 o'clock 11 p.m out there so uh, we do appreciate uh, you 1106 1106 got to be accurate as reporters no doubt <laughs> and counting so i guess we should yes. just get right to it then wei shen yes
1: Yeah, we should. (laughs) All
0: right. So we're gonna just discuss uh, today. We're gonna have a little bit more of a fun conversation. Uh, Nothing much going in news. It's you know in December, things tend to slow down. The code freeze is coming for uh, many many firms out there. Um, Not a lot of people make an announcement. So we decided we're gonna have a discussion about technology and different kinds of technologies and topics, and hopefully. What it will do will inform, while we're not necessarily talking specifically about technology in Asia, Wei Shen's going to give her perspectives just mm-hmm. on what she's heard in the marketplace out there. I'll give some of my thoughts on what I've heard in the marketplace out here, and we will go from there. Sound fair enough, Wei Shen?
1: Yep. It and while uh, you mentioned cold freeze, it just made me think about uh, temperature here in Hong Kong at the moment. It's 14 degrees centigrade, sorry, mm-hmm. Celsius. <laughs>
0: so that's pretty nice. That's like what? Uh, which 50, is
1: 57.2 Fahrenheit. I've converted that for you now.
0: Very good. Thank um, you.
1: And I actually have the calculations here, like the formula. But um, yeah, so while it's not freezing, freezing, like uh, what you would
0: well, Temps, it is, it's negative negative one Celsius here, uh, 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So, yes, it is, it is literally freezing here in New York.
1: <laughs> That's nice. I wish it would be like here, here. Uh, I wish it would be like that, here. Um, yeah, but everyone's out in coats now. It's a little bit too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's hoodie um, weather for me. I just wear a sweatshirt, you know, yeah. when, uh, when it's that. Oh. So... What do you want to talk about first? Let's see here. We got, let, let's go through here. We have, we're going to talk about artificial intelligence. We're going to talk about blockchain. We're going to talk about quantum computing and maybe data issues. Generally, we'll drill into these a little bit, but which topic are you most interested in which one do, should we start off with?
1: Hmm. I think let's, let's uh, take blockchain off the list first.
0: Blockchain. All right. So. I was just uh, recently at a conference, uh, well actually it was Waters USA, it was our conference, (laughs) and we had on um, Howard Bush from Microsoft, and Lawrence, uh, God, I can't remember his last name off the top of my head right now, Um, but uh, Lawrence from Laureate Digital Securities, and we were talking a little bit about tokenization, Uh, Howard was talking, because that's what Laureate Digital Securities does, Howard was talking about, you know, how they're kind of creating, using the cloud, creating the infrastructure to build blockchain projects off of uh, many exchanges like NASDAQ are using them. And the point of the conversation was to have a discussion about actual real-world use cases, that these are actually out there. And the thing is, it was a good discussion, and there are real use cases Everything is still in its infancy. It's all small. This transformational technology that some proponents want to claim blockchain is I am skeptical of it. Um, it's still not there, mm-hmm. and there have been so many projects as we've written about and talked about here on the podcast. Um, so many projects have either been shelved, have been completely ditched or are at least you know on the back burner right now and are not getting the focus. So I guess for you, you know, out there cuz I know like the ASX has a big pro- um uh, where we, no is it the yeah, Australian yeah. ASX. Yeah. So yeah. what what's the kind of the feeling out there? What what are your kind of thoughts on this uh on this is it, you know, is there a little bit more hope out there or are you more kind of in my boat that this is a little bit of an overblown subject?
1: Um well, I, I think I, I kind of agree with you in that sense. It is a little bit overblown, but at the same time, I feel that there might actually be a bit more work that's being done over here uh-huh. or a little bit more, uh, I guess for lack of a better word, um, hype around blockchain and uh, what firms, whether they are technology providers or whether they are um, uh, the exchange themselves or the
0: and that's also true, um, like, even in the crypto space, too, right? Like, there's a lot of hype out there yeah. in both hip crypto and blockchain, especially there's hype over here, obviously, but it sounds like there's a little bit more out in Asia than there is maybe even here in the United States.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, coming back to blockchain, I suppose um, yeah. one of the big issues, uh, one of the big things that um, uh, happened recently, I suppose, is the ASX um, said that they will be,
0: Austra- uh,
1: Australian are, Securities uh, just, Exchange. Yes, Australian yep. Securities Exchange. Uh, they're going to push it back to uh, so they're looking to. So basically, if you didn't follow our coverage, and we'll, I think we'll link this in the podcast um, sure. uh, coverage later on. Um, well they they are looking to replace their clearing and settlement platform called Chess with a blockchain-enabled one um, in the future. Uh, so that was supposed to be launched in, a, um, I think, early next year, but they've delayed it now till April next year, which is not much of a delay at all. Um, but still, even that slight delay has caused uh, quite a bit of a, I don't know if I should use the word, uh, ruckus, um, uh, quite, quite a bit of a ruckus in, in, in the market Skepticism here. Skepticism for sure, so right? A lot of, so so when, when I was at Cyboss in uh, Sydney, uh, in end of October. So uh, what I've heard is that there, ha- there has been some pushback from um, from some of the firms that need to take part in this. Uh, that, that they didn't really realize that it would cost um, a little okay. bit more than what it costs now sure. to participate with uh, or, or to have like clearing settlement done by chess. So like to have it brought onto a blockchain um it, it might cost a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's that's one of the issues that um that, that uh is that is being considered. But also at the same time, um, you know, the CBA, the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, so Australia seems to be quite ahead in this. Uh, so they've been the first to actually issue the first first ever blockchain bond for the World Bank. Mm-hmm. And that was done in August this year. So, uh, I mean, Australia, for a country that is kind of at the end of the world, I suppose it sees the sun. The sun, uh, you know, was well, one of the first countries that sees the sun. But being so far away, it's still it's still really um, up to speed in in terms of innovating and being at the forefront of what is being talked about in mm-hmm. the capital markets. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, it it seems to me is, you know, because we wrote about this, and some of the initial concerns when the uh, uh, ASX announced this was, the market was like, why do we need, why does this, if you're going to use, the the big problem with blockchain is, many times, it's that old hammer looking for a nail thing, and so, Mm. if you're going to roll out this brand new technology, that hasn't truly been tested on a wide-scale basis with the volumes that a stock exchange will generate. Is this something that we really need? Is this an improvement over what we have or over traditional technologies that exist? Obviously, the ASX believes that it is, will be, but I think that we're already starting to see that there's, that the, you know, what you initially have it's going to morph into something else and there's going to keep on being hiccups there's going to keep on being changes and the the market's going to have to answer for was this effort truly worth it to be at the vanguard of this you know to be truly one of the the trend setting because like i know like the cme it seems like an and nasdaq i believe they've been having experiments with with blockchain technologies but they've kind of backed off a little bit ASX is kind of going full bore with this. So it'll be interesting to see, I guess, in 2019, and as they really start to roll this out, 2020, 21, you know, do they decide to keep pushing forward, or will this be something that gets scuttled or entirely changed? I guess that that's going to be the interesting thing to look for in 2019. Is that fair enough?
1: Yeah, it's fair enough. But I think um, looking at the determination, I feel that – even if at some point they they think and I mean I might be totally wrong here, but if at some point they feel that it's not worth it anymore, they would still push ahead with it just to see that or just to prove that they can do it. Yeah. Uh, if that makes any sense at all. So like even if there's no change at all or whatsoever from like how chess is handling clearing settlements uh, you know, uh currently, um with how a blockchain enabled system would 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 handle that um they would still push on
0: yeah and that's uh, so that but that's also mean, a dangerous thing though yeah. too right that that can be dangerous when when you're like you know what we have to keep on pushing we, we decide to go down this route even though many people were skeptical we've chosen this path now we have to push forward and you wonder how much egos could get in the way there
1: that's true that, that's true. Um, but, but at the same time, I just think that, I mean, I, I feel that they want to prove a point yeah. that, uh, I mean, ultimately, I think one of, one of the points when we actually were on that call with them when they first announced that they, they, yeah. they gave the green light, uh, you know, to, to actually work on this, this uh, platform uh, was that um, the regulators would get real-time insights into what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that would that would be the the number one thing that they will be focusing on, um, whether or not it actually is more efficient or not. I don't know.
0: Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it would seem like again, you know, as we entered into 2018, there was this was you know everybody's like okay, this is going to be the year where there's going to be some real development. And yes, to be sure, there are live production blockchains that exist today. There are um, POCs that are taking hold, proving to be positive and useful. But 2018 certainly did not live up to the hype. I think that many people were hoping that this was going to be the dawn of blockchain. I don't think that transpired. That's my opinion anyway. Um, It now seems like 2019, we're kind of hoping. And I would also say that I think that 2019 is going to yield a lot more disappointing results in this space, um, and I think that there, it might, it's my two cents that, you know, I think there's going to be a, an industry adjustment that's going to be like, all right, this isn't, this isn't what we were planning for. But I guess so, out in Asia, do you kind of feel like it's going to be more about, let's see if we can get some of these projects off the ground? I mean, let's take ASX out of it. Do you think that there's still, amongst the banks out there and amongst the other exchanges out there and the regulators, is there still a hunger for blockchain development in 2019 do you see
1: Yeah for sure and I um I, I wasn't able to attend uh the Singapore Fintech Festival this year but from what I heard uh, happening over there is that blockchain is still very much of that conversation. I mean, two years ago, it was all about blockchain, the hype of blockchain. And then, it, then last year, it was about AI. Uh, and then this year, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going we to have to talk about blockchain again. But then, but then now we have kind of real applications of blockchain that we can talk about. Yeah. So let's focus on that. So I feel that uh, in the region, this is what... Uh, they are looking at doing and um, yeah whether it be small scale productions uh, you know um, and uh, POCs that go live uh, this is what they'll be focusing on and yeah
0: okay uh, and then I don't know what
1: else to add on, on that but no yeah, no. they're they definitely working on that
0: well I think then the next thing to talk about and this will relate to a feature that you recently wrote is so obviously blockchain is the distributed ledger. It's a technology that cryptocurrencies are traded on, um, and so it is a technology in itself. Cryptocurrencies are a completely separate thing. Um, on that front, you wrote a piece on uh, custody in the crypto space, correct? Um, a little, you yeah. know, we, we talked a little bit about it on the podcast previously, but why don't you kind of just give your thoughts about uh, what you wrote about there?
1: So uh, my feature really touches on why uh, there hasn't been greater institutional participation in cryptocurrency space. Mm-hmm. And crypto custody is definitely one of them because we need um, well, someone to keep uh, their assets safe and uh, to be able to also access them in, uh, in almost real time, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to wait like for... I don't know, half an hour, two hours to be able to get access to your asset and then trade them again. So, um, crypto custody is definitely an area that needs to be worked on and there are players that are getting into it. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I think it is really interesting, uh, and point, going into Josephine's, um, uh, feature on tokenization. Yeah. I feel that that might be that might that might actually be the topic that I mean in in the digital asset space uh, that will that will come up in 2019.
0: But then, so so that changes so, the conversation uh, a little yeah. bit, right? Because tokenization and digital securities are yes. different than cryptocurrencies, um, than like your yes, Bitcoin absolutely. and your yes. Ether. So, <laughs> and, and just so that uh, the readers know or the listeners know, what we're talking about. Our colleague in London, Josephine Gallagher, wrote um, an excellent feature. Just went live uh, this week on tokenization um, in the space and a failed project at the Royal Mint and what that kind of bodes going forward. Though there are still many people I believe tokenization, digital securities, will play a major, major role um, as we go forward. So sorry, to, didn't mean to cut you off there, but. That tokenization digital security space, you you think that that's going to be of greater interest in 2019? Is that fair enough?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was uh, hinting at. Um, So, although I mean, uh, I'm sure I'm sure we'll link it in the in the podcast later on, uh, Josephine's story, Um, but. While uh, the Royal mint at the UK didn't work out, Australia and Canada apparently did really well in that space. So mm-hmm. there have been successes in uh, tokenizing. Tokenizing. Tuk- <laughs> yeah. Tokenizing. Yeah, I'm not podcast. sure how you. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I thought I thought I thought you were the bad one. I I'm I, I really
0: fan. am. Trust me, I'm I'm the weak link of this podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> at least we both speak kind of clearly but okay sorry um,
0: <laughs> That's
1: yeah but I think uh, the the issue really I mean the issue that pushes tokenization forward is, is that traditional like for example the traditional equity market is not really looking very um, uh, uh, bright and shiny at the moment mm-hmm. um, and it didn't really perform very well this year either so which is why I'll look for next year, is not great. But um interest in uh commodities such as gold and other uh, precious metals have done relatively well. Artwork
0: I know so, is uh, that, that even there that they've used it for. The trading sorry? of like fine the trading of uh fine goods like art and stuff like that. Um so it's actually there have been mm. some use cases that have actually come out through that.
1: Yeah, exactly so yeah and, and there's also i mean uh in in terms of tokenization um firms like jp morgan they're looking at permission blockchains you know for to store their dis- digital assets or they're they're working i mean they're looking into um, ways of doing that so uh i, I think tokenization Tokenization, yeah. Yep. Tokenization is an—it's definitely an area that with that we will see a lot of um, uh, talk on and activity around uh, for next year.
0: Okay, and yeah, it's—it's it, it's funny because I swear to God, up until the last you know month and a half, because obviously at Waters USA, I had to moderate a panel where. Um, Lawrence uh, Newhook, Newhook, I think is his last name, uh, from Lori Digital Securities. He wanted to talk about tokenization, something I had not really heard of. And then Joe uh, Gallagher put out her feature on tokenization. So I swear that just in the last couple of weeks, I've had a a lesson here on tokenization. So I really can't give too much of insights on it because it's not even something that I talk with with. Anybody else, but it does sound like something that uh, will be of interest uh, for 2019. So I have to keep an eye out on that. Um, let's go with a topic that I love to talk about: um, artificial intelligence. And mm-hmm. yes, so to be sure, artificial intelligence is a wide-ranging topic. And if you just drop the word artificial intelligence, it's kind of useless. Um, I wrote a feature just recently on deep learning applications, which is a subset of machine learning, which is a subset of artificial intelligence. And to be sure, deep learning is way too—it's very, very nascent. It's very, very—you um, know—it's it's early days. There are POCs or things uh, and real-world use cases that you're starting to see in the capital markets. You're seeing more deep learning neural net, deep neural networks and more in the retail space and other consumer goods space, it's now entering into the capital markets. Um, you can read that story. I don't think it's worth talking about right now um, for for our purposes. I would imagine, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, that out in Asia, especially with the chatbot space, um, be there's. it seems to me that there's more talk around chatbots and stuff like that in the Asia pack market, APAC market, um, that natural language processing, that, uh, you know, kind of other forms of machine learning, whether decision tree, learning regression, stuff like that, um, Mm -hmm. that those and robotics are probably taking hold a little bit more um, and are finding, you know, real world use cases out there. I don't know, on the AI front, where do you kind of see the hype in 2019 for the people that you speak with?
1: Mm the hype, Um well, it, it is true that a lot of um there, there's been a lot of talk and a, lo- a lot of acti- activity in terms of like um, natural language processing or NLP
0: mm-hmm. for
1: short and uh basically how they have uh helped chatbots uh you know uh sort of that for example and uh as a manager looking to target new uh And investors yeah so that that has worked pretty well i think some some of them have actually um have actually been able to uh deploy that quite successfully Uh um there are also a lot of white label white label companies that have been popping up uh providing that service um for next year i think the focus is still on um actually very basic ai very rule-based um uh, RPA, so Robotic mm-hmm. Processing Automation. Sure. And or automation as a whole, really. Uh, I can't even, I don't even think that should be classified under AI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, automation or automating certain workflows um, is still a priority for firms out here in Asia. And uh, particularly for, I think, large institutions that could prove to be quite a uh, an arduous task, yeah.
0: considering uh,
1: con- considering the, the amount of uh, data that goes into that and, and the amount of uh, uh, decisions they need to make, be made from that data that goes into their, their processes. Um, so, yeah, this, this is an area that's definitely uh, what they're looking to focus on.
0: Do you find so, that, you know, so for the big international banks, you know, that are based in – that have their headquarters in London and New York, Germany, that have offices out in Asia. Do you feel that on the automation front that Asia is always trying to play a game of catch-up with their – kind of with the motherships back in you know the, those Western countries – um is that fair enough to say, or do you think it's just it's it's just something where there there's something unique about the the fragmented market in asia that that kind of makes these automation projects a little bit more challenging?
1: I think you are right in in some sense um, but at the same time you're you're oh, you, uh, i'm wrong it's so um <laughs> You're right in that those who have headquarters out in London or U.S. or Germany, um, you know, the, the, their subsidiaries here or, or their branches out here in Asia, they are catching up. And I mean, slowly as the mothership uh, deploys technologies at their own at the, at the headquarters, then later on they're deployed in Asia. But at the same time, there are local considerations that need to take place, for example, if it's, especially if it's in for, um, local language, like in, in, in Chinese or in Japanese or Korean sure. or Thai, maybe. So uh, those are issues that need to be considered. And I think a lot of um, vendors as well, they are looking to, to branch out in, in those areas to include other languages.
0: Okay, and I would imagine also that cloud technologies—you know—something that I'm kind of writing about a little bit right now is, you know, the the use of public cloud is growing, whether AWS, uh, Google Cloud Platform, IBM Cloud, or Microsoft Azure. Um, Mm -hmm. more and more people adopting cloud uh, technologies and to deliver um, solutions across the globe, I guess. And AWS has a ton of different uh, data centers out in Asia. And as I understand it, they've kind of jumped ahead in that place in that they have a wider footprint. So which allows for better disaster recovery. So where many of the other cloud providers have just like one database in say Singapore, you know, AWS has multiple. So if one database goes down, it fails over to the next one but I would imagine that that's also helped to connect um you know the to, to a bring out new software uh, capabilities out to the uh into the emerging markets of Asia and as well as to connect uh firms and offices um back to uh Europe and to North America. Um is that kind of consistent with what you've been seeing? Yep,
1: yeah it is.
0: Definitely. So, all right. Well, I guess nothing else I'll say then.
1: <laughs>
0: and... <laughs> but but also, I feel
1: that um, from my conversations with firms out here, they have been a lot more open to the whole topic on cloud. And um, oh, it just feels like this is also going to be another area. Year, that there's going to be more talk, uh that, that there's going to be more interest in uh in, in, in for next year but it really is yeah no. so um I agree. A, a lot of firms are looking at cloud if they're not already um you know using any cloud services so it's either using it through uh, a vendor for example or or actually storing their own data like um certain data not all data but certain okay. data on and to the cloud yeah
0: okay and then i think the last thing that we'll touch on as far as industry issues um one of the uh, best stories that we had on water technology this year uh was your coverage of um this i guess this fight well i'll i'll hype it up and say fight uh, between um india and the singapore exchange <laughs> Um why don't you give us a little bit of background for people that aren't familiar with what's going on between those two regions and what's kind of ahead for 2019 uh, between India and Singapore?
1: So, okay, just a little bit of background. Uh, in February this year, so February 2018, um, the NSC, sorry, sorry, the National Stock Exchange of India, and also the Bombay Stock Exchange, uh, they suddenly pulled their derivative data licenses mm-hmm. um, and said that uh, and, and said yeah, they're not allowed to. Um, no one is allowed to have access to them anymore. Mm-hmm. So that obviously affected um, the SGX Singapore Stock Exchange, uh, which has products. Uh, That's directly linked to to that data, so the SGX Nifty 50 family. Um, So what happened after that? Um, There there seems to be a lot more that's uh, going on underneath uh, that I haven't actually fully uh, talked about, but I will in the future, Mm -hmm. so look out for that.
0: And if Um, you are listening and and have some insights, please reach out to Weishan.
1: Yes, please do.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, but so the the two the two uh, exchanges have actually uh, undergone uh, arbit- um, arbitration, uh-huh. and what has been uh, so okay. Sorry to back to back it up just a little bit. Sure. So the SJX because because those products were essentially being taken away, the SjX said that it would launch replacement products. Um, you know that. So, so their their current investors would be able to access and still have exposure to the Indian markets via those new products, um, which obviously it's a little bit complicated here. But which which obviously the NSE fought back on, and then okay. they ent- entered an arbitration process, um, which is has been settled at the moment. But a decision by the court will be made sometime in February. I, if I'm not mistaken, so sometime, sometime in January, next year or February, we should have a, a firm result on what is actually going to be happening there. Mm-hmm. But funny enough, so what India is trying to do, so basically why India really pushed back, uh, pushed back on um, uh, allowing their, their, or taking back their data licenses was because they they wanted to bring the liquidity back to India, so instead of Singapore or other exchanges, you know, having um, getting revenue from from that, they wanted it back. So uh, that's 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 my take on it. Um, but at the same time, they were also opening this gift city, which is in Gujarat, um, uh, a, a town in India. Um, so basically, uh, so what they're offering um, there, if you look up GIF3, mm-hmm. so the NSC and BSE have um, exchanges out there, and investors would technically be able to access those exchanges without having to go through uh, the normal uh, processes of, uh, you know, registering with the FBI and, and, and getting um, proper okay credit. Accreditation might be wrong here, but proper licenses, maybe. I, I, are um, waiting mm-hmm. for a full license to basically trade and get exposure into India. Mm-hmm. So uh, Bloomberg has uh, actually uh, has, has actually gotten the uh, approval to uh, to provide the data feed that from the NSE and BSE from Gift cities exchanges. Okay. So, uh, I think what they're trying to do there is really promote promote liquidity to come back to India somehow. But at the same time, I don't know how that actually works because apparently that's not really considered onshore. It's still kind of considered offshore India. I, I, I'm not sure. So if anybody knows, please please reach out to me and tell me all about it.
0: Yeah, no, I think that that, that was one of certainly the, the the interesting things. And going forward, obviously, just kind of a big problem in Asia is just always people always talk about as the fragmentation. So what was concerning, you know, for outsiders, um, for the Western audience, I guess, was just to see India and Singapore kind of rather than trying to figure out ways to bring in people, instead kind of going with this with what you've seen across the globe, but this isolationist kind of this nationalist um, uh, view rather than having open markets bring in outside investors, bring it, make it make it easier and, and more welcoming. You know, we've seen it across the globe, really, um, you know, with Trump's tariffs uh, against China. Um, you know, in Europe, you're seeing it right now with Brexit and just all the, the fallout there. So it, it certainly – I think that's going to be mm-hmm. one of the major topics across the globe, uh, outside of Asia, just across the globe is, you know – Isolation, nationalistic views that make it harder for open markets and for the sharing of ideas, for bringing in new sources of liquidity, mm. and you know, and if there is a massive recession in 2019, as some people predict, I, I think that might be overblown. But some people predict it will be interesting to see that as people kind of go into their own holes. You know how how does that make getting out of a recession harder? I guess I think that's going to be one of the more concerning and interesting things to think about um, uh, for the new year. Yeah. yeah so sure.
1: I mean, I, I mean, just in terms of India. Uh, well, the thing is, why why all why a lot of international investors were going to SGX, for example, was mm-hmm. because it's just not easy or this is what they've told me anyway, it's not easy to to be able to trade in India. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes months, uh, at least two months, two months and above, you know, to get a license to be able to do that in India. Whereas in Singapore, they can, um, well, it doesn't take much really. So it's a much easier process to trade uh, Indian products, you know, from Singapore.
0: Yeah. No, yeah, and, and also, we, and again, we will link to it, but um, again, this was one of our better stories. Actually, I think it was uh, nominated for an award um, out there. Um, and so we will link to the story and to the opinion piece that you wrote that add a little bit more extra context and color to it. Um, so yeah, so I think we've reached a point in the show here. where I, I think that you all hopefully have a pretty good understanding as to some of the trends that will be – undertaking in APAC in 2019 so I guess that now is the fun part of the show um but I, we never did decide on what we're going to talk about here so um what do you okay. think Shen? should we have a discussion about k-pop and country or should we have a <laughs> Christmas movies songs uh, discussion or Netflix shows that we are somewhat ashamed of
1: Hmm. I think let's go with Netflix shows we're somewhat ashamed of because I don't know if K-pop would, would actually, um, I don't know, in, interest all the to here today. But, I but can't imagine that there are a ton to start, of... I yeah. know. <laughs> I know you are, but... <laughs>
0: yes. yes. <laughs> Wei Shen always sends me over uh, music uh, recommendations, and they're, usually they're pretty good, but uh, so I, my, I've certainly been exposed to... <laughs> let me put it to you this way. Your K-pop recommendations are much better than the shows on Netflix, like a uh, strong girl. Uh, what's uh, what's what's that show?
1: <laughs> strong girl, bones. <in. laughs>
0: oh my God! I watched that and I was like, "Is this like satire? Like, is this actually real?"
1: Oh my god, it's so good! Oh, I recommended it to someone from Broadridge, by the way. Um, if you're listening, yeah. let me know what you, what you think.
0: I'd be careful um, recommending that show because uh, they might never talk to you again. Honestly,
1: I gotta check back, I really do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um. Yeah, so tell me, Tony, what shows are you watching on Netflix that you are not extremely proud of?
0: Let's see. Well, I mean, you know, so I am, I'm an old man. I'm 39, yeah, I'm 39 years old. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be hitting 40 in September. Uh, So uh, feel free to send over. You're
1: going to broadcast it to the whole world. Uh, You
0: know, listen, when you're that old, (laughs) who cares, you know? Um, So (laughs) I, I sometimes am embarrassed that, I still really and enlight- like immature cartoon shows. So on Netflix, um I don't think it originated on Netflix, but I know that's on Netflix right now is uh BoJack Horseman. I've been watching that and just get a kick out of that, you know, and especially especially when I come back from the bar, you know, and had a couple, I don't know, that just that show tickles me pink. And uh the show Big Mouth, which is very very immature. Um, about like, but for somebody that went through adolescence in the eighties and nineties, I don't know, man. I felt like it just, it touched me and I was like, yep, this is, there's so much that is so true about this show, but I'm also very much ashamed that I like the show as well. So I think that those two cartoon shows are the ones that I'd probably be most uh, ashamed to admit that I, that I like, and that I actively watch.
1: I haven't actually heard of the second one that you talked about, but I've heard of Bojack Horseman. You, you haven't heard of uh,
0: um, a Big Mouth? It is wildly inappropriate no. and funny. Um, <laughs> you should definitely check it out if, if if it's available in Asia. I don't even know if it's uh, available on Netflix out there. I
1: actually don't know. I I, I know I know Rick and Morty is available, but wow. I don't even know if Bojack Horseman. Rick and Morty is just a
0: classic. I, that one I would never say I'm ashamed to like. That is intellectually stimulated that show is just so well written i love that show so yes
1: i know i know it's great and a lot of people have told me it's great but i I tried the first episode i haven't tried since but i tried watching the first episode and i was just not feeling it
0: yeah yeah well i I won't think Mm -hmm. less of you on this but you know come over the next time that you're in (laughs) well you what i tried to make you watch uh archer the last time you were out here was that it or was it always sunny in philadelphia i was trying to make you watch Always
1: sunny in Philadelphia. I like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs>
1: I don't like Archer. I know I don't like Archer. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mine are not cartoons. <laughs> and actually, well, aren't Horsy you just Lynch. so
0: sophisticated?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, kind of crazy word comics. Um, so <laughs> it's Riverdale and uh, Sabrina. Um,
0: Riverdale is the one that's on like the Archie comics, right?
1: Yeah, guess because that's where Archie is from. Um, uh-huh. Riverdale, the little town of Riverdale. So it's it's quite a it's in its third season now. Um, it's a little bit of a darker take on uh, the whole Archie verse, if I should call it that. I don't know if it's called that, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's 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 so bad, but it's so good. Just I, I
0: can't stop watching it. Let me ask you this. Uh, do you watch – I don't know if I should be ashamed of this or if – but I just really, really genuinely like this show, uh, The Good Place. Oh, excuse
1: me. I told you about it.
0: Oh, was that you? <laughs> oh, okay. Well, well, excuse me. I, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize. I should have given – see, I made fun of you uh, for Strong Girl. Uh, I can't remember her name anymore. But uh, I Donald you Donald were Jonesy. the one – Yes, you you were the one that told me about The Good Place. That show is outstanding, and season two dipped a little bit, but then it picked right back up. So I really did. I, I think that's a great show that people should check out, and I'm not ashamed to admit that.
1: I love it so much. Uh, and, I, I, I really love holidays. <laughs> How managed he manage to swear without swearing as well? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Do you watch uh, – You I asshole. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, we we curse more on the show than uh, than they do. Um, do you I'm watch too, uh, the you Last Kingdom?
1: It, I know, I know. Sorry, yeah, I did, I did, and oh my gosh, it's so good. Have Have you watched it?
0: I did, so I've watched the first two episodes. I think I'm into it. I'm not 100 sure yet. I think I'm into it.
1: Oh, I can't see the ending then. Oh my gosh, but Janet is awesome. I really like Janet.
0: Oh wait, are you talking about? Uh, oh wait, yeah. you're still on. Um, uh, the, good,
1: the place.
0: good Place, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I've seen the whole season. But we also don't want to give away the ending for anybody oh. that hasn't seen it. So, But, yes, I've, I've watched that through. Uh, oh. <laughs> I was saying, have you uh, watched the show The Last Kingdom?
1: No, I haven't.
0: It's it's kind of a playoff of the, the show Vikings, which I never saw. I think it was on the History Channel or something like that. I, but everybody raves about that show. I've been given a chance. It's it's okay. It's I'm not I'm not sure how I feel about it yet. But I'm only two episodes in, so I got to give it more time, I guess. Okay. Yeah.
1: Mm, but you definitely need to check if you like Riverdale. You definitely need to check out the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, the Chilling uh, Adventures of like, Sabrina. Yeah. So it's about Sabrina, the teenage witch, obviously, but it's a lot darker. Um, Sabrina. is the one that just has the talking out cat, right? Hmm?
0: That, that Sabrina the teenage witch was the one with the talking cat, right?
1: Yes, Salem. There yes. you go. Okay, he hasn't spoken in uh in this, in the episodes yet. Uh oh, okay. yeah. So he's what we call a familiar and every witch gets a familiar so someone or something. Okay. Or yeah, something that helps them basically and is their mm, in a way a guardian. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. And so, so are you are you actively recommending the show, or is this one of those shows that you're kind of embarrassed that you like, but you?
1: I'm you, embarrassed you, about Riverdale, but I actively recommend Sabrina. Uh, if if you like the comics at all, I think Sabrina will. Um, it, it's pretty good. I like it. All right. But what I'm also really sad about. And um, coming back to the first ever podcast I was on
0: okay. with you
1: guys, with you and uh Dan Dandy Francesco. Uh, Dandy Francesco, who by the yeah. way has
0: moved on to um, <laughs> he's now at Business Insider, so he's a dirty, dirty trader to us, but we, we do wish him so... all the all the luck in the world. Mm. <laughs> yeah,
1: so I did I talked about Daredevil then, right? Yes. Um Yeah, they have just cancelled Daredevil. And uh, there's not going to be a new season. That's really, really sad because this is this was one of uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones is basically the the two best Marvel um, Netflix series that that did well basically. So um, Luke Cage and Iron Fist. I mean, they were interesting, but I think they didn't really it didn't really uh, it didn't really kick it off properly. So yeah. Daredevil though was good. From the first episode, I think all um, first season and most definitely the third season, you could just watch it all through. So I finished it in two days. 13 episodes. Yeah. Two days.
0: That, that is binge-worthy, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> I could uh, not stop.
1: I, I literally couldn't. I was like, I need to know what happens now. <laughs>
0: So that Wait. shows better than because you recommended uh, Jessica Jones to me and that one was good. Yeah, I, I got into it a little bit, uh, but haven't you know fully watched it. But uh, it was solid. So you think that Daredevil is better at than season that? one? I uh, yes, I did stop. It. Uh, I, t- oh,
1: I love Daredevil. So that that's definitely one you need to watch. So you need to finish Jessica Jones and you need to watch Daredevil
0: as well. All right. Well, I mean, fortunately, we got the uh, the Christmas break coming up here, so uh, well, I'll have plenty of time on my hands to uh, just uh, to just watch uh, mindless uh, TV as long as it's better than uh, Strong Girl.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Stop bringing that up. But uh, talking about Christmas, um, have you watched any of the Christmas um, specials that Netflix Netflix has uh, put up?
0: Uh no, for me I just watch uh, Bad Santa, Christmas Vacation, Die Hard, and yeah, that's about it. Those are those are the only Christmas uh, shows that I actually check out. Why is there is there one that you recommend?
1: Um, they're kind of cheesy, but yeah. I can...
0: Is this the one like with um Patrick Swayze or uh or or, or no Kurt Russell? Swayze's dead, I think.
1: Oh, that one is the Christmas Chronicles, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's Kurt Russell. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, I think Swayze passed away. I have not watched that. Um, it says 95% match for me. <laughs> um, uh, and I watched the holiday calendar and also the princess Switch. Don't <laughs> 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 that now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, both were equally entertaining. All right, that's just food
0: that we. All right, Mm. well, I guess I have something to watch now on uh, Christmas Day. I'll be eating Chinese food at my apartment (laughs) and uh, and watching (laughs) uh, bad Christmas movies.
1: (laughs) They're not bad. They're good. They're good.
0: (laughs) Well, Wei Shen, do appreciate you coming on and uh, now because it's almost approaching midnight. And if anything that we've talked about, uh, we're going to link to Wei Shen's email. Uh, she is the face of our publication out there. She is our boots on the ground. We—it's what She's uh, one of the main. Dif- hopefully, we have a lot of differentiators compared to our competitors and why you subscribe to us. But Wei Shen is based in Hong Kong. She goes to most all the major conferences out there. She's going out meeting with people. And she—you know—if you're out there, either you're based out there or you're going to be going to fly out there. Um, you know, she's she's the point person. She's the person you're going to be speaking with because uh, she's both got good insights, hopefully, as uh, as she expressed on this uh, podcast today. But, uh, yeah, and she'll be doing all of our coverage out there. So, um, Moishen, you know, any uh, big stories that you're going to be looking at for 2019 that you just want to quickly uh, just say that this is what you're working on right now or you're still kind of deciding what you're going to be working on for your next few features?
1: Uh, there are a few things that I'm looking at uh, which haven't really firmed up properly, but uh, the one that's probably coming out in February, you know, February issue, I think, is the second part of my crypto feature, uh, basically looking at challenges uh, around that um, and what it needs to uh, what needs to happen basically for uh, to encourage greater institutional participation. Another one is looking at um my favorite topic. Quantum computing. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. uh, looks like it's your favorite too. Um Yeah. I love Just reading your stories about I, mean, I, think maybe, I love
0: reading your stories about quantum
1: computing. Say it again?
0: I love reading your stories about quantum computing. Do I sound funny? <laughs> what am I, James? Do I talk like I have rocks no, in my mouth? It, what it, the it, hell?
1: You, James. <laughs> yeah, uh, looking at what needs to happen, uh, keep going a little bit into quantum memory um, and also uh, in particular how it will really help uh, portfolio optimization, what are the issues that um, uh, is a problem in the market right now in that space and how quantum computers Potentially could help out with that.
0: Okay. Well, if you if you guys have any Uh, insights on that, another one I'm looking at
1: is the HFT space and like how that's looking like in Asia. Uh, Are the efforts that exchanges have been putting in the region um, uh, have been putting out in terms of technology that they're building out? Have they been encouraging HFT uh, HFT players to participate or not? And um, what has happened since then?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, if anybody has any insights on that, uh, shoot Wei Shen over an email. Like I said, we will uh, put her contact information into the story. But um, Wei Shen, thanks for your time today.
1: Thank you, Tony. It was a pleasure.
0: Absolutely, as always. And hopefully we'll get you out here in a new year so we can uh, do this face-to-face with James. That'll be great. All right. Well, thank you guys, and we will be back with James next week. Have a good weekend.
1: Bye.